I'm Julia McEwen and I'm an associate in the planning team at Herbert Smith Freehills. Today I'm hosting the fourth episode in our Back to Basics Development Consent Regime podcast series. Today's episode will cover the examination stage and I am joined by my colleague Lisa Bizarlo, who will be providing some helpful insight. Like me, Lisa is from New Zealand and she moved to London just over four years ago. Lisa is a senior associate in the planning team at Herbert Smith Freehills and has worked on a number of nationally significant infrastructure projects, both in the UK and New Zealand. Lisa is currently working on the DCO application for the Aquind Interconnector, which is undergoing examination. So Lisa, over to you to tell us a bit more about the examination stage. Thanks, Julia. The examination is the period where the examining authority gathers evidence and tests information about an application from interested parties. The examination must be completed within six months of the preliminary meeting. Although this is supposed to be a fixed deadline, the Secretary of State does have scope to grant an extension if it considers necessary, and it has done so on a number of recent occasions. The examination itself is primarily carried out in writing, although parties can make oral representations at hearings. Typically, there will be around 10 deadlines for written deliverables, and they are set every two to three weeks. Perhaps you could explain for our listeners the types of written documents submitted during an examination. Of course. Firstly, there are written representations. These are an opportunity for interested parties to explain their position to the examining authority and expand on any views provided in their relevant representation. Then there are statements of common ground. These are documents produced jointly by the applicant and statutory bodies, setting out the areas of disagreement or agreement between them. You may have also heard of local impact reports. These reports are an opportunity for local authorities to summarise their views about a particular proposal. What about questions from the examining authority? I've heard that they can issue upwards of 500 questions at any one time. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Written questions are an important part of the examination as they provide an opportunity for the examining authority to gather and clarify information about an application. These questions are often addressed to specific parties, mainly the applicant. However, any interested party can provide a response. There is also an opportunity to respond to the representations and submissions made by others at various stages throughout the examination. This means that the project team are in a constant review cycle as once the applicant has submitted its own responses, it needs to review and respond to those made by others. Lastly, the examining authority may issue a Rule 17 letter requesting further information from various parties. These can cover a wide range of topics and must be responded to within the deadline stated in the Rule 17 letter. Wow, it sounds like a lot of written work. Yes, it is. This is by no means an exhaustive list of the written work involved. Amongst other things, the applicants will often find themselves needing to update the application documents, carry out new assessments, submit position statements, and amend the DCO. What about the hearing process? Oral hearings are intended to supplement written submissions and are an opportunity to ask more questions about an application. There are three main types of oral hearings. Firstly, there are open floor hearings. These usually focus on community issues and are an opportunity for individuals and community groups to speak directly to the examining authority. Open floor hearings are usually only held if requested by an interested party. Secondly, there are issue-specific hearings. As the name suggests, these focus on specific issues arising from the application, for example, noise or traffic. The examining authority will only hold an issue-specific hearing if they think it is necessary to explore a particular issue in more detail. Lastly, 
Where the DCO includes powers allowing the applicant to compulsory acquire land or interest in land, a compulsory acquisition hearing will typically be held. I suppose the examination process has been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Are hearings still being held? Yes, they are. The Planning Inspectorate is currently running hearings and inquiries virtually, and they have issued an advice note with specific guidance on virtual examination events. We are currently involved in one of the first fully virtual inquiries, and the Planning Inspectorate is taking extra precaution to ensure fairness to all involved. What exactly does the virtual hearing look like? Virtual hearings are being held using Microsoft Teams. However, attendees can also join by telephone if they don't have access to a computer. The examining authority issues a detailed agenda of the topics that they want to discuss, and parties are being asked to submit oral summaries in advance of the hearings so that discussions are easier to follow on the day. The Planning Inspectorate has also developed a practice of hosting an arrangements conference prior to any virtual event. This allows them to share information with participants about the procedure and answer any questions before the formal hearing starts. It sounds like examinations are time and resource intensive. Is there anything in particular that promoters need to watch out for or any tips that you can provide to those entering the process? The six months time limit means that there's always going to be tight deadlines. This means it is particularly important to agree responsibilities for authorship and review as early as possible and to stick to internal deadlines. Where the examination timetable doesn't specify a time, it means that everything must be submitted by 11.59pm. So what you're saying is that late nights are inevitable? Yes, I'm afraid they are. And it's important that everyone sticks to the deadlines, as the examining authority can disregard late submissions. In my experience, the early deadlines are the most challenging ones, as the examining authority comes up with lots of questions and requests for further information following its review of the application. What happens if you need to make changes to your application during the examination? Sometimes changes to the application will need to be made and it is important that the correct procedures are followed. For example, there is a detailed procedure that must be followed in the event that new land, subject to compulsory acquisition powers, is added to the order limits. Different procedures are required depending on whether the change is considered to be material or non-material. The term material is not defined and will be decided by the examining authority on a case-by-case basis. The Planning Inspectorate has issued a helpful advice note on how to request a material change. Any other helpful tips? My overarching comment would be to focus on quality and not quantity. When responding to written questions and submitting materials into the examination, it's important to justify responses clearly, not repeat unnecessary information, and not lose track of what has already been submitted. Applicants should also be prepared to expect the unexpected. The examining authority can ask for further information at any time, and sometimes with extremely tight deadlines, even overnight and in between hearings. Thanks, Lisa, that's really helpful. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about who is involved in the examination process and their role. I've talked a lot about the examining authority. They are appointed by the Planning Inspectorate to examine the application on behalf of the Secretary of State. The examining authority can comprise a single inspector or a panel of inspectors with a lead member. A panel is normally made up of a range of specialists, like an engineer, landscape architect or marine expert. What's the role of the Secretary of State and the Planning Inspectorate then? The Secretary of State doesn't actually have any role during the examination. However, they are tasked with making the ultimate decision once they have received a recommendation from the examining authority. By the time the examination starts, the planning inspectorate will have allocated a case manager to you. It is crucial to develop a good relationship with your case manager as early as possible, 
as you'd be surprised about how many questions you need to run past them. Presumably the role of the consultant team becomes more important than ever during the examination. That's absolutely correct, Julia. The project team play a very important role throughout the examination. They have a busy job preparing all of the written submissions, updating documents and preparing for hearings. Finally, we can't forget that statutory bodies, local authorities and landowners are also heavily involved in the examination process. This means that ongoing engagement is very important, particularly where the examining authority has requested a statement of common ground, as these will need to be exchanged and agreed in advance of the deadlines to ensure that they can be submitted on time. Thank you, Lisa. I certainly found that a useful summary of the examination process. Thanks, Julia. I should add that the Planning Inspectorate has produced a series of non-statutory advice notes on the examination process, and I'd highly recommend them to anyone new to the process. The next episode will be the final episode in this series, and my colleague Alistair Paul will cover the decision stage. Please note, whilst this podcast is intended to provide a general overview of the development consent regime, the law can change quickly, and a general overview can't take account of the many different factors that will affect each individual case. So please seek independent legal or professional advice. If you would like more information on anything mentioned in today's podcast or any of the other podcast episodes in this series, please contact a member of the Herbert Smith Freehills planning team using the contact details on the podcast homepage.